This is the Next Door Heroes Podcast. Glad that I don't live on like the third floor <laughs> of an apartment complex. So, um, Ethan, are we ready? Okay, perfect. Well, welcome everyone to uh, the second episode of Next Door Heroes Podcast. Today we have a very exciting guest with us, Amanda Butler of the Paul Oliver Foundation. Um, welcome, Amanda. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I said in our introductory episode that I'm very, very excited for you to be here. I think this story that our listeners are about to hear is incredible. I I read it myself, and um, it nearly brought me to tears. So I'm excited to kind of share that with everyone and hopefully get it out there because I think the world needs to hear more stories like this and the positive impact that is coming out of it. Um, so, but to start with, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, um, how long you've been in Memphis, and um, kind of how long the Paul Oliver Foundation has been around. Okay, well, my name is Amanda Butler. I'm the president and co-founder of the Paul Oliver Foundation. I have lived in Memphis my whole life, so I'm from here, raised here, stayed here. Um, and I always thought about going somewhere else, but really have a heart for Memphis and just couldn't bring myself to leave it. Um, and we, I started the Paul Oliver Foundation uh, with a co-founder in uh, 2014, and we raised money for about two years before we were able to help our first veteran. We started helping our first veteran in 2016, and since then we've been just proceeding to help more and more. That's incredible because I, you know, I think a lot of times people hear foundation and they think oh this has been around for you know 20 years and it's exciting to really kind of hear you know that this is a a new foundation but you're already making such a such a big difference so um so why don't we go ahead and do this let's kind of jump in tell us the story tell us how the paul oliver foundation came about because Um, I think most of the questions that we have and the listeners may have is, how is this? How did you start? How, what happened in order to start the Paul Oliver Foundation? Well, we started this um, after uh, I lost a good friend of mine in 2013 um, from complications of PTSD and and a traumatic brain injury. Um, His name was Paul Oliver. He was a Marine Corps veteran, had done uh, several tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, and uh, came home and just had a lot of trouble adjusting. He had difficulty feeling safe in his home and a lot of flashbacks, a lot of nightmares, and he just never was able to overcome that. And so as his friend, I saw it kind of get progressively worse. Um, And one of the things that worked for him in his lifetime was his dog scout. Even though he was having a bad day, um, sometimes scout, be, not not sometimes, all the time, having scout there made a huge difference in his life. And he passed away of an accidental drug overdose from medications he took um, to treat his PTSD and traumatic brain injury, which kind of led um, his loved ones to question what could have been done to help him that wouldn't have those repercussions. And so um, we thought back to all the times that Scout was there for him and all the times that 
Um, we saw that being an effective treatment for him, and we looked into service dogs in Memphis. And it turned out there were no service dog organizations in Memphis. Um, the closest one was in Mississippi, and they didn't work exclusively with veterans, and they had a very long waiting list. Mm -hmm. So that was when we decided that that just wasn't going to do for us. And so right. we, uh, you know, did the paperwork, sat down and came up with the idea, did a lot of research, and started going from there. That's in it's incredible because, you know, we hear stories about this like on the news all the time and we just I think sometimes it can be easy to think that oh you know people that go through this oh, they'll get help yeah where you found in your case there is no help here yeah. in Memphis we we need to do this we need to step up definitely so I read in the article um which we will put a link to because honestly it needs to be shared a million times over that you know, not, and this isn't to kind of put it, his story out there too much, but it says it in the article, so I do want to reference it yeah. that he, um, PTSD was affecting him so much that he actually put his mattress on the floor, yeah, so he could feel vibrations because, and that's that's incredible to me because I would. I would never think of doing that for that reason. Mm -hmm. Now I've had to, when I moved to Memphis, I slept on an air mattress for a month and, but I would never, I could never fathom intentionally doing that. So you could hear and feel vibrations just yeah. because that's something that you've been through and yeah. like you've had to. So th the detail that this article goes into is amazing. And like I said, we will link it cause it's such an incredible story. Um, but I kind of want, to so you grew up with Paul, correct? Well, my husband grew up with Paul. Okay. Um, I met Paul uh, when Blake and I got together, so about 16 years ago, and um, we just, you know, I loved him immediately. He was one of those guys that would make you feel welcome, no matter how many times he'd met you, or um, he was just a good dude, and he deserved more than what the help that he got when right. he was struggling as much as he did. And, right. and I don't want to sell programs short like the, the VA or the amazing therapists and counselors that we have because they do a great job. Um, but they can't do it all. And a lot of the things that I heard from Paul and that we've heard from the veterans in our program um, was that they didn't feel safe. They... Uh, one of our veterans would screw um, really long screws into his door jam and like to make it to where no one could open it from the outside mm -hmm. until he woke up the next day. And he hasn't had to do that since he's had his service dog wow. because he knows that if anything were to happen, she would alert him. Right. And so a lot of the things that that Paul did to stay safe and you like referenced him sleeping on the floor to feel vibrations of someone coming in or, um, you know, anything happening outside of his home. Um, these dogs can help with that. And right. so that's, that's something that we see as so hopeful because you can take medication that deals with the symptoms right. of not feeling safe and being hyper vigilant and hyper aware, but, to actually feel safer is a really big thing for the, the people that deal with this on a day-to-day day -day basis. Right. Because, you know, it's it's unbelievable. I, 
I just have a heart for animals in general, but yeah. especially when it comes to service dogs, because I work in a place where they're there every day, all the time. In fact, I was looking at your page, and I think one of them was at Bass Pro Shops. Yeah, and we I, train where you work. <laughs> yes, and so it's incredible because now I'm just going to obviously just come up and say hi and talk to you, and I'll Please probably do. get in trouble at work. But, <laughs> um, and so it's incredible because the amount of training that has to go into a service animal yeah. in order to deal with these things is mind-blowing because they you really are I don't want to say programming because that's not the right word but you're training training there we go that's it you're training them to help with these situations because I've experienced um someone with PTSD who had um a flashback if you will and um he did have a service dog and it's amazing how it the service dog will just respond Mm -hmm. and so I'll probably say it multiple times throughout this episode, but I applaud you for what you're doing. And Thanks. it's it's very inspiring to me to be able to listen to this story, to see this story, let alone have you sitting across from me is, is mind-blowing. So would you say that as you were growing up that you've always had a passion for helping others? Be, or do you think that was it this event that really said, you know what, I want to... I need to do something. I really need to step up. Well, I, I do think I've always had a heart for helping others. I was um, always involved in volunteering at different places. I helped plan the um, leukemia and lymphoma, light the night walk, and you know, I just enjoyed doing things like that. But it wasn't so much on an everyday, like, immersed in it thing. And really the situation with Paul was what made me – realized that, you know, this problem was big enough that I was ready to make it my life's work if that's what was necessary. And so I I think it was a little of both, to be honest. Right. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times people have these moments where it's like, okay, something traumatic has happened. Mm Mm-hmm that's when they just like, you know, I need to change my life. Yeah. And so it's cool that you're willing to step out and say, you know, if I need to completely flip the script, I'm going to do that. And yeah. I, have you decided to do that? You're just like, you know what? I'm going for it. This is it. Um, well, yeah, I think that I have like, um, you know, since 2014, this has been my everyday I won't say all day, every day, but close to it. And especially like as we're getting bigger, it's, you know, it's become something that I'm not only very passionate about, but I see myself doing for the long term. Absolutely. Um, and I've, now I've learned so much, like the more you kind of go down this road, like the more you see and the more you realize needs to be done. And so right. I feel like I'm always going to be, like wanting to expand what we do and like help more people because you can't forget the things you see when you start dealing day in and day out with veterans that aren't getting the help that they need. So explain for our listeners, because I have an understanding from what I've read on how your system works, but explain for our listeners how it is a veteran comes to you says, I need help. Okay. What do you do from that point? What we'll do is send them, they will get an application first, and we have a few um, requirements. We 
uh, get a copy of their DD-214, for instance, which is just their discharge paperwork from the military, um, you know, just to make sure that everything's, you know, from their story checks out. Um, once they fill out the application, it goes before a review board. We meet once a month, and uh, once it's approved, they can get a dog. We start looking right away for an animal. Sometimes that doesn't take long. Other times it takes a little bit longer. It depends on what their needs are, how specific a type of animal they want. Do they need it to be big or small, that type of thing. I was about to say, do you match people's personality with a breed? Or is it more of their, maybe their living requirements or what? Yeah, it's not necessarily a breed. Okay. Um, it's more of what their activity level is okay. and what uh, they are going to require from the dog. Some of our veterans have mobility issues, and so right. they need more physical work from the dog. And okay. so they might need a dog that's a little sturdier, a little bit bigger. Okay. Um, so, But we also use rescue dogs predominantly. Mm. Um, so that kind of means that we have to go out to shelters and look at the different dogs that they have available and you know if we do need a bigger dog and they don't have one available sometimes that can take you know a little time but um, once the animal is uh, we find the animal and it's adopted uh, it goes home with the veteran and they begin training right away okay which starts with basic training which is your normal sit stay all that you know everything most dogs do um, and then we take it up a step and do advanced uh, obedience training, which is just really, um, you know, a little bit further. And then they start doing service dog work, which is going into Bass Pro Shop or going to um, get used to elevators. I mean, we have some sessions where our dogs will just get used to working around an elevator. So really? they'll ride it up and down. They'll yeah. get in an escalator and go up. And so, you know, there's... Um, the training itself takes anywhere from 11 to 24 months. So okay. it's a, it's a commitment to the vet right. for the veteran, but right. um, it kind of brings them out of their shell a little bit too, because they're having to go out and do these training sessions and go out in public. And so we've noticed that that kind of helps um, break isolation, which is another thing that we hear a lot that is a, a symptom of PTSD. So it was my understanding and it's probably because I don't know a whole lot about how this works. Um, it, so it was my understanding that typically what happens is a service dog will be trained and then placed with a veteran. So yes, that is typical. Typical. So mm-hmm. I love this idea because you what exactly like you're saying, it's a commitment. Mm-hmm. And so in, to deal with their isolation at the same time, you're not only you're not just saying, okay, we're going to put you on a waiting list. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is saying, okay, here's some relief right now. Mm -hmm. Let's work together. Exactly. And that's beautiful. That's such a, it's such a great way to do it. And I think it's such a fresh way to do it Mm -hmm. that I haven't heard before that I think honestly will, you you mentioned earlier that you're growing. I think it's going to explode because I think that's how it should be done. I honestly believe it's like, you know, you wouldn't, um, I can't think of an analogy right now, but you wouldn't say, here, let me help you later. Yeah. And I'll think about it. You're mm-hmm. saying, no, okay, let's get you help right now. Yeah. And then let's work together. And I'm sometimes having that hope, like that, I'm, this this doll, and, and they, 
they know when they come to us, this is not going to be a fully trained animal. And so, you know, sometimes there are, that might be more than somebody wants to handle and that's okay. Like, right. but you know, we just aren't able to help them at that time. Right. Um, other times, uh, you know, that they just think like, wow, that's, that's some hope that in a few weeks, like I could have this animal and no, they won't be a service dog and no, they won't be trained to address my specific issues right now but I can see this light at the end of the tunnel. And if I just keep working towards it and keep doing this, it's going to get better. And we've really found that like the hope of that and then having the benefits of anyone owning an animal, which you know can help with depression and anxiety and um, feelings of safety and things like that, that, you know, those benefits happen immediately. And so there are definitely some benefits in the short term that as they work towards the long term, they're going to be getting a benefit before any training is done. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just, I'll say it again, I think it's a fresh way to do it. I, yeah. I honestly think that's you're innovating something that's been done a certain way for a long time and you're providing help immediately. Because I know I have um, grandparents who have served in the military and, you know, um, they sometimes they just I've heard them say you know well I don't want to go to the VA it takes too long Mm -hmm. where you know I've heard stories and this isn't to knock where it's just like they're waiting forever and now this is an opportunity where if you meet these requirements they're gonna help like I I love that I love that idea and we found that one of the reasons that we wanted to have the veteran involved in the entire training process is because we feel like it helps with the bonding of the not that you wouldn't bond with an animal anyway but we just we thought that that would be like a good way to ensure bonding and kind of take a personal responsibility for um the training of this animal um but we also want to be able to tailor what the dog does to what the person specifically needs and so if we're training a group of 10 dogs to give to 10 veterans we're training them all the same we may not be addressing some of the things that you know these people that come to us need us to address and so that was a way that we could get more specific with it Um, and we can I mean you can do really amazing things with service dogs they can sniff out seizures and you know low blood sugar and you know that's the kind of thing that if you need that in addition to you know being a service dog for ptsd great let's do it our trainer can do that too so we um you know we feel like that's a a good way to make sure it isn't a one-size-fits-all approach right and that's what i love because you know once again typically from what i've heard it's just here's what you get Here's what it's trying to do. Mm -hmm. That's kind of it. And so it's kind of, you know, not only I could imagine from the veteran standpoint where it's, you know, not only am I just getting this dog, but I'm growing with this dog, Mm -hmm. like you're saying. And it's it does bring that responsibility because in the when they're in the military, they have tons of responsibility. They have to take care of each other Mm -hmm. or something can go wrong. And when you get to train with another you know, um, dog, you, you do get that. You get that opportunity to For say, sure. you know, it, okay. I'm like you take care of me. I'll take care of you. This is how it's going to work. Yeah. So it's incredible. 
I can't talk about this approach more. I, I love it. I think it's going to be amazing. Um, so to date, um, you started the foundation in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, to date, how many um, service dogs have you placed? We have placed eight dogs okay. with uh, eight veterans, obviously. Okay. Um, and we have a couple because they we started our first um you know took a minute to raise some money and do some paperwork so we placed our first dog in 2016 and that dog is getting pretty close to graduation i guess you would say um and so we've got a couple that have started almost two years ago that are getting to that point and then we have some that our newest dog was placed in july so they you know, or a little, so we're at different places in the, right. I guess, training uh, spectrum, but we have eight and we're looking forward to doing a lot more. Well, I'm hoping you can get like hundreds of Me more. too. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. So can you give us an example of, so you've got a big graduation day coming up. The first dog you're going to place yeah. that's graduating. Do you have a ceremony planned? Um, we have talked about it. It's not, uh, you say coming up, it's, we're getting close to that point. Like I would say like we are a few months away, maybe like that would, but yes, I totally agree with you. Like I, (laughs) I'll do whatever I have to. That might be a great fundraising idea. Like that, but yes, we do want to do a graduation. I think that would be, they worked really hard and the dog and the veteran deserve a graduation. I think so. Well, we'll talk after this. Little cap and gown. Like the whole thing. See, (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's like the, you see, um, cause graduation at colleges was just recently. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few where they let the dog walk across stage with them. That's uh, great. See, I think we need to do something like that. I think it'd be, we'll talk after this. We'll talk. Let's after do. This. That's yeah, a really abs- good idea. Absolutely. So can you give us an example of this? You so you have your first dog coming up. That's going to be graduating in a few months. Can you give us an example of, and if not, that's completely fine of this veteran who came to you, what they were looking for and kind of how that process went like what did you train the dog for what was it matched for yeah the um the first veteran that we um that came to us actually had gotten a dog already and they knew they needed a service dog but didn't realize there was a service dog organization in memphis Mm -hmm. and so they got this dog and thought well i'll train it myself Mm -hmm. and got really like oh what was i thinking like i don't know what to do with this dog now and couldn't find a, you know, a trainer and they heard about us. And, um, so they had their dog already. So Mm -hmm. that part of what we normally do was taken out. Um, but they were having, um, some issues with flashbacks and, and really bad, like nightmares. So, um, during one of those nightmares, I believe it was that the veteran had a heart attack. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it was getting really serious and really, um, just affecting his life and his family's life. And he had heard that service dogs can wake you up before you even get to that point. Um, so that was one of the things that was really important to him to, um, have the dog trained to do. And, um, Thorn is the dog's name and he, um, actually Mm. has woken, uh, his person up from a couple of nightmares. And before, um, at one point, uh, the veteran stopped breathing and he couldn't, the dog couldn't wake him up. And so he, uh, Thorne reached over and started pawing at his wife and his wife was able to get help. And, um, I mean, our dogs can even 
we can train them to call 911. I mean, you know, they're, they can bring you medication if they see you're having an episode. Wow. So um, that was one of the main things. But also um, going out in public is really difficult when you don't feel safe in crowds. And, you know, we live in a reality where you are in crowds often. And right. so um, one of the things that we'll teach our dogs to do is to um, heal right by their veteran's leg. So the, the veteran always feels that dog with them. Right. And so it lets them, they're trained to let the veteran know if somebody's coming up behind them and they have their back turned, they'll give them a little paw. Hey, there's, you know, just letting you know something's coming up and it's okay. You know? And so that's the kind of thing that we first started working on. That right. was our, our first two big I guess hurdles that we overcame was teaching the dog to recognize those things and how to react when they happen. Right. So um, you keep talking about your trainer, and I want to plug them because yeah. they deserve all the credit. So in the awesome, world. they do. Like much more credit than I do. Yeah. I feel like um, our trainer's name is Jacques Bonnet, okay. and he owns uh, Allegiance Canine, and he is I have seen them. so yes. wonderful. If I, he has worked with, I sent everybody to them. I mean, right. he has helped us do so much and there would not be a Paul Oliver foundation without Jacques. So right. really go check him out. He's yeah, as awesome as they can. We'll make sure we link them too, because it's just, this whole idea is incredible. And so you, um, so you mentioned you're the only, um, service dog, uh, organization in Memphis. Mm -hmm. How far is, are you focusing just on Memphis right now? Um, right now we are focusing on Memphis, mm -hmm. obviously the surrounding areas, the right. you know, suburbs, Olive Branch and things like that. Right. Um, so that's our focus right now. Right. Um, when you start going any further than within easily commutable distances mm -hmm. from Memphis, um, it makes it more difficult because veterans need a place to stay when they come for training and right. they need, um, you know, it becomes a transportation issue. And, a, and right. w one of the things we really um, like to mention as often as we can is that there is not a cost for the veteran to any of this. So mm. when they call us, um, we're never going to send them a bill because they got, you know, we provide the dog, we provide initial vaccinations, service dog vests, training treats, toys, the whole thing. Um, and so we want to always be able to do that. And so that's one of the reasons why getting too far outside of things, you know, right. we don't, we don't want to become a burden as opposed right. to a help. Well, if, if there is anything that I can express to, um, or, our potential listeners it's you need to go check out the paul oliver foundation because they are doing incredible things um and so that's something that leading into um wrapping up here is how can people get involved if i was you know not recording you uh <laughs> if we were just came across your website and you know wanted to know how can we get involved what's the best way to do that is it just go to the website is it um, check it on facebook definitely check in on facebook we okay. um or we try to keep that as up-to-date as possible right. um also you know check out our website we're kind of in the middle of rebuilding that right. but definitely check into it it's uh, the, the paul oliver foundation.org um, we also can always use, um, of course, financial donations are always appreciated, but um, also dog toys and treats and those types of things. So those can always be a big help to us. 
We also have an event coming up at Kendra Scott. They're going to do an evening where 20% uh, of the proceeds of, uh, that they get from 5 to 8 are going to go to us. And so nights like that are kind of how we're able to, to you know, do what we do. And so that's on the 14th of June. So that's how Kendra thing. Scott where? It's at Kendra Scott in Saddle Creek in Germantown. Okay. Perfect. At, yeah. From 5 to 8 p.m. Because one of what we would like to do is we would like to, through our channels as well, help promote that. Um, and so we're going to get all the details from you later. And For sure, yeah. We'll, like we'll be there. Yeah, but, yeah, that absolutely. would be uh, that that kind of thing. And we always um, keep our website and social media pages up to date on um, you know the different fundraisers we have and different needs we have. So keeping up with us on Facebook especially is definitely the way to go. Okay, to perfect. Keep... And it's just the Paul Oliver Foundation on mm -hmm. Facebook? That's, that's right. Perfect. Okay. Well, um, on behalf of Ethan and myself, um, we are very grateful that you're here. It's honestly what you're doing is going to change the world one day, and I, we're grateful that we got to be a very small part of it because I can't express how how grateful I am for services like this, having uh, family members that were in the military and knowing friends who have gone to the military. It's it's incredible to see that people like you and your husband, Blake, um, are really changing the world. And well, thank you so much. That really out. means a lot. Um, and thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we would officially like to call you a next-door hero because you are changing not only Memphis, but I know your impact is going to be shared throughout the world. And so um, we really, really thank you for being here. And um, we can't wait to see where the Paul Oliver Foundation goes from well, here. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Next Door Heroes. Like and subscribe to stay up to date with incredible people doing incredible things. Follow us on social media at the Next Door Heroes podcast. And be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.